Hey everybody, this is Greg with the Abstract Podcast, and we are here today with Corey Cossack from Aspireship. Super excited to have him here today. We're going to be talking about the future of the software sales rep. Uh, Corey, why don't you introduce yourself, sir? My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, so my name is Corey Cossack. I'm the founder and CEO of Aspireship. Uh, we call ourselves a learning and talent platform for the SaaS industry, uh, focused especially on helping uh, people from other industries and job types uh, transition into a SaaS or technology sale. Awesome. And that is the way the world is going. So I'm sure you guys have been very busy over the past year with a bunch of people looking to get into software sales. Um, I'm sure that the past year has seen tremendous growth at Aspireship. So um, we'll dive into that a little bit later. But um, I want to kind of talk a little bit about, about your background first, kind of how, how we got here. So the genesis of, of Corey and Aspireship. So it seems like almost every day, at least once a week, people are asking me like, you know, Greg, how'd you get into software sales? How do I get into software sales? And looking at your background on LinkedIn, I kind of have to ask you the same thing, Corey. Um, you've had a successful exit with Fredericks. It seems like you've kind of been in the entrepreneurial world for a while. Um, why are you, why, why start training this new wave of software sales reps? Why, why Aspireship? How did we get here? Yeah, so it's a little bit different than you might think. Um, when I uh, went through my last series of uh, acquisitions, so I started a company called Frederick uh, back in 2014, and uh, we went through a very interesting journey where uh, literally in our first year in business, we were acquired uh, by a later stage startup uh, with a couple hundred people. Um, we only had five employees at the time. And uh, it was not planned at all. It was just something that was so opportunistic. I could not, you know, say no to it uh, and became, you know, deeply integrated uh, into that company uh, as a big part of their operations. Uh, and then a couple of years later were acquired by MindBody, which at the time was a public company, 2000 employees. And so in this very short period of time, you know, call it a three to four year stretch, I went from inception of a SaaS startup uh, to public company, uh, 2,000 people. And all the while, my job, you know, even after acquisition was essentially to be CEO or GM, whatever you want to call it, of my business within the larger business. And what we saw consistently was two very important but related things, uh, especially inside uh, the larger public company, uh, that number one, at the business level, it was very, very difficult to scale uh, the sales team. Um, and not just the sales team, there are other you know, frontline operations, customer success, things like that as well. Um, but as you're in this hyper growth phase where every quarter the business has to keep growing, so does your sales team. Um, and the, the functions and support around it. And so essentially what we saw was uh, every time we would have a problem hitting our goals, it would tie back to, hey, we don't have enough people or the people we do have are not working out or they're not sticking uh, around long enough for a variety of reasons. And so that was like this one issue, you know, kind of off to the side that was a very significant issue to the business that was already at a scale of doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue a year. Uh, 
-hmm. On the other side, as an acquired founder, I had all of these, you know, I, I call, say young people, it's not all young people, but, you know, people that were anywhere from two to three to even 10 years plus into their career started approaching me and telling me some kind of story around, you know, I kind of fell into whatever line of work I'm in. And I feel blessed and fortunate to be here, especially at a great company and in the tech space and all that stuff. But um, all of a sudden I'm realizing I'm not in the perfect spot for myself, whether I'm a customer support rep and I wanna do sales, or I'm a sales rep and I wanna do marketing, or I wanna specialize further or whatever it may be. And I feel like I've been typecast because of my resume. My resume says, three years of whatever, let's call it customer support. So everyone says, oh, you're a support rep. Like you, there's a path in customer support. Here's what it is. Mm -hmm. Anything else is not available to you. It doesn't matter that you're 26 years old and <laughs> right. Like this is your life. And it's like, what sense does that make? Right. And so yep. I tried to continually help a lot of these people, some of which were on, you know, my teams and so on that I thought were bright and ambitious. And I, I tried to make introductions and mentor and line up opportunities and really hardly anything worked, even for internal transfers. Um, and so I kept exploring that and I looked and saw, wow, if there's this much pain inside a company like this around this topic and career progression development, imagine how much pain there is, you know, down the street of the insurance agency or the mortgage brokerage or whatever it may be, right? Yeah. And so the more I explored it, the more I saw there was this enormous appetite, even for existing salespeople to pivot into the technology industry only to get rejected either before an interview or during the interview process because they didn't have past experience in the very, very specific role, selling to those types of customers and so on. And so long story short, I put the two things together and I said, the reason that this is happening on both sides is that companies have over-indexed on past experience as the measure for whether or not somebody gets interviewed, let alone lands a job. And that is pervasive across our hiring system. It goes beyond sales, it goes beyond the tech world, uh, but of course, uh, tech sales, I know it very well. Um, I know these types of companies very well and there's tremendous demand. So it's the logical place uh, for it to, for us to start. And, uh, and that's why we started there with Aspireship. Nice. Very cool. It's, um, it's interesting because I was a personal trainer before I got into tech sales and it took me something like 30 different applications. And my first sales job actually took me nine different interviews to actually get an offer letter because they were so concerned about my lack of software sales experience. And um, I know some of my best reps that I've ever hired had no software experience, but they came with the right personality, the right drive, the right hunger, the right kind of a, a intrinsic curiosity um, to get into that world. And I, I bet you there's a lot of companies that uh, miss out on some pretty amazing people by kind of pigeonholing people into what their resume says about them. So that's awesome that you guys are uh, creating a world where people can uh, maybe go beyond what their resume talks about and their past experience talks about. Um, anybody get, so let's start, let's focus on the software sales rep. So um, there's different career trajectories typically, um, Corey, that people get into when, when they when they go into software sales, they're thinking, I'm an SDR, maybe I want to get into an individual contributor, maybe I want to get into management one day, maybe I might work my way up into a CRO. Um, 
what I've often seen, and um, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but I, I really kind of curious, what is what can companies be doing? What is Aspireship doing to help different um, new sales reps looking to get into software sales understand kind of what the long-term trajectory of a, a career progression should look like? Um, because you don't become an SDR just to be an SDR for the next 20 years, right? What are we doing as organizations or as Aspireship to kind of help people understand what that career trajectory could look like so they can start to see themselves 5, 10, 15 years down the road and not just kind of that short-term, I want to be an SDR today. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, you know, currently we are doing some of this, but not nearly what we could be doing and will be doing long term on the topic. Um, but I'll start kind of at the beginning. So one of the things that's unique about the way in which we're approaching it is um, the traditional way this is done, any type of reskilling, especially with employers on the other side or you know something that's so specific like what we're doing with software sales typically it's done in a boot camp format uh, where you know a certain group of people go through in a cohort and they learn together and they're all gunning for the same thing you know and like you mentioned the SDR um, and it's kind of a one-size-fits-all you know approach uh, and you kind of go through the cohort and and come out the other side um, what we're doing instead is sales is very much a sink or swim kind of environment. Yeah. Um, now, hopefully you have an organization that's investing in learning and development that does the right things to support and nurture people um, so that they can swim. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not willing to do the work um, and you're not self-motivated, you're just not going to make it. And so what we designed instead was a platform where we just give it to you. So if you were to, if Greg, if back in the day when you were a personal trainer and you wanted to do this, um, instead of signing an income share agreement or paying thousands of dollars or doing any of these things that are common to enter a program and then us holding your hand all the way through and saying, hey, we guarantee you this is going to happen on the other side. What we say is, okay, here you go. <laughs> it's free for 30 days, right? It's free. Right, it's free. You have ample time to finish it and graduate before ever paying a dime, and then you don't have to pay a dime after that. Like that's not the business model. The thirty days is there to motivate you and, and create some constraint because that's what part of what the life of a salesperson is. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, in any case, basically, we say, okay, Greg, here you go. Here is the information you're going to need to do well, and uh, just go do it. And then at the end, you're going to show us what you've learned and that you can apply the concepts. Um, and if you can do that, we will then help you land a job uh, with one of our partners. And that job is not necessarily an SDR job. So we actually started with the idea in mind of pushing people to account executive. I'd say today it's about a 50-50 split, maybe 60-40 split, 60% going to AE jobs, 40% going to SDR jobs. Um, and then there's a small percentage as well that are currently going into account management jobs. And so the idea is, unlike the traditional path of doing this, you could even be 10, 15 years into your career, actually be really good at selling and say, hey, I just need to understand the foundations of what a software sale is like and how to apply it. And then I can go directly into an AE role 
or account management role or, or something like that. Um, it's not a one size fits all scenario. And so we try and uh, help, first of all, help candidates understand here are the different types of jobs. This is what compensation looks like for these jobs. This is what career tra trajectory or near term trajectory looks like for these jobs and the responsibilities of them. And here's where we think you're gonna be a fit. Um, and we're not like forcing that um, but we're essentially guiding that. And if, you know, people trust us, um, that ends up, you know, leading to a pretty good result. From there, um, you know, we really focus on continuing education. So part of the thesis with everything that we do is not only have you proven your willingness to work and then your aptitude and the actual skill of doing the job or the work um, through this kind of self-paced uh, experiment that we've put together. Um, but if you are a demonstrated learner, we believe that you're going to do a much better job um, in your role because you're going to continue to learn. You're going to continue to ask questions. And whenever you hit a roadblock, um, you're going to push past it because you've you have that mindset that I'm just gonna keep learning, I'm gonna keep doing. And so part of that is we provide ongoing education uh, that covers all, all facets of what careers are like in the uh, software sales environment, including um, you know, where you can go after those initial jobs. Nice, so not just focusing on getting into that role, but here's what your, your kind of career progression could look like. Um, because everybody wants that career progression, they oftentimes don't understand what that could look like. And so that's awesome that you guys are helping people understand what that kind of long-term career in software sales looks like. I know my dad, you know, eight years later still doesn't understand software sales. He still thinks I'm uh, selling cars off a lot um, as a software sales rep. So maybe I could get him to sign up for a Spireships program a little bit. Um, so I think one of the things that I really would love to see change in software sales, and I don't know what the catalyst needs to be, Corey, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, when companies miss their number, it's always the sales team's fault. Um, it's the sales leader, it's the sales reps, it's the SDRs who go through the reduction in forces. Um, and it could be product market fit, it could be poor marketing. You know, as, as you have your group of partners and organizations you're working with to kind of move these new graduates into roles, you know, what is maybe some advice that you might give to a, a new rep who's who's going out and looking to start interviewing process? Like, how do we how do we identify that the company has good product market fit? How do we identify if their marketing strategy is doing what is needed to support the revenue goals? Like, are you guys doing anything to help those candidates really make sure they're stepping into an organization where three months later, if they you know they don't hit their number, like they're going to be the first ones axed and right back into kind of that interview process. Yeah, so I think number one uh, is specific to Aspireship. We we like to think we only partner with good companies. Um, so there, we've all kind of seen some of the red flag scenarios, right, around companies. So when we encounter it, we actually um, are in a fortunate position where we will say no. Uh, to a lot of companies who want to partner with us. Nice. Um, it doesn't mean they're terrible companies, that they're not going to be successful at all, uh, but just not conducive to the, the, the kind of environment that we want to foster uh, for um, graduates, you know, coming out of Aspireship. So that, that's for us 
personally in terms of what we do as a company. Um, separately, uh, for candidates, you know, the best preparation really is number one, understanding what you actually want, like what's important to you, what you want out of this situation. And it's different for everyone. But I will tell you that having been through this with now, you know, thousands of candidates, it's obvious that the average candidate does not know what they want. <laughs> don't know what they're actually looking for, why they're doing this. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, we put out content I do on LinkedIn about how, look, making a massive career change is incredibly difficult. And whether you look at it this way or not, if you were in sales in a different industry and you're changing industries, but still in sales, it's still a career change. And it's looked that way. Um, if you've never been in sales and you're doing sales, like it's a massive change. And so there is pain and sacrifice associated with this, no matter how well it goes. So if you're going to do it, you better understand why you're doing it. Right. And so maybe, hey, I think there's you know better long term career prospects here or better income potential, you know, long term. Um, or I just want to be part of innovation, I'm bored. Um, it could be any of these things, right? Um, but oftentimes people don't know, and so we encourage them, hey, you really need to understand why it is that you're doing this and then what you want in a company. And what you want in a company should not be, well, I want to work from home, or I want my commute to be short, or I want my base salary to be X, Y, Z, or I want, it's, it's not really about that, it's more about what kind of environment do you want to be in? What type of team do you want to be a part of? What kind of leadership do you want around you? And what are you trying to do by doing this? So that's really the first step. And then there's additional steps, which are about evaluating the company. Yeah. So you evaluate the company against what your goals are in terms of where you want to be and why you want to be there. Um, but in terms of the product market fit question, for example, Usually the signs are there based on how they're selling. So if you have a pure outbound, uh, and don't get me wrong, a lot of people, tons are doing outbound, so it's not about against outbound. But if you have a kind of boiler room kind of situation <laughs> where it's just like, yeah, we have 100 people in a basement in New York and they're just pounding the phones, you know, hundreds of dials a day, and these one call closes and we're just gonna get it and jam it through and all that stuff. Those are typically the businesses that have forced the growth to happen. Um, you can identify some of this by asking other reps that are currently at the company uh -huh. uh, what their experience has been like. Um, you also can uh, look and find people on LinkedIn who have worked there that don't anymore and look at what the tenure looks like. Yep. and see if you see patterns there. Because these things have, high turnover is very, it's rampant in this industry and we can talk about that a whole bunch. Um, but if a company is growing and they're hiring because they legitimately need more people because the people they have are succeeding, that's a good sign for product market fit. If it's just the revolving door then it's a toss-up. doesn't mean they don't, but it's a toss-up. And more of this that you find in terms of uh, seeing how forceful the sales process is and stuff like that will give you clues about whether or not there's, there's fit in the market. And that's 
before even looking at like, are they on G2? How are people rating them? Like these kind of normal things that you could do as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, when you look at, you know, maybe they have five reps today. Are those five reps all hitting their number? Are those five reps being promoted? You know, those might be things you can look at. Um, on LinkedIn even, some of that might be publicly available to understand like, oh, maybe they're just reaching a point where they have more demand than they can actually handle. So that's kind of prompting that growth to add, yeah. bring on and a new sales keep rep. In, keep in mind as well, like that scenario is kind of like the nirvana, yeah. right? So most of the time it's not going to look like that, even if there's product market fit, even if it's solid. Um, the other thing too is it's so often we hear what we want to hear when we're pursuing an opportunity or interviewing when we're whatever. And so you just wait, you're just like, you're pretending like you're listening, but really you're not, you're missing most of it. And then you're waiting for some key phrases to lock onto and go, Oh yeah, such a great opportunity. <laughs> they raise funding or whatever. Right. And, but if you really listen and you really try and assess the character of the people that you're talking to, that will tell you as well, because the people with strong character that are intelligent, that are, you know, working hard and trying to do something that matters typically aren't going to stay um, in these kind of toxic environments or the, the places that aren't going anywhere. There's always exceptions, but, but that's something that I see. And, and we're just kind of conditioned to think like, oh, we really want this to work out. So we're not going to actually listen to what they're saying and ask thoughtful questions to, to, to help determine what this is really going to be like. Yeah, and ultimately that ends up working out poorly for both parties when it's a, a forced fit or when you're not exactly paying attention to what is being said. Um, you're maybe just latching onto those those key phrases, right? Um, you end up getting in there and you're like, oh man, this is not the sales cycle I envisioned. You know, this is not the lead flow I wanted or expected or need for that matter. So it usually doesn't work out. So that's a great point. And I'm sure Aspireship only partners with companies where you guys have kind of evaluated the character of the the company and you feel good that you're bringing these candidates into scenarios where they're going to be successful cool uh final question here uh, i think i always like to get some advice for people who've been successful and so um, when people think about software sales um, they always look at it and go you know this is this is a career where i can make a lot of money if i'm very successful um you know you don't have to get a degree, a master's or a doctorate to be very successful in sales. Um, and you can be successful if you have what it takes. So what is maybe your one piece of advice, Corey, for anyone who's thinking about getting into software sales um, and, and what, you know, what, what they need to be to, to have success? Play the long game. So what I mean by that is if you legitimately have what it takes and you're willing to continue learning and continue pushing your own boundaries so that you keep improving. You can humble yourself and no matter who you are and what you come from, know that you don't know everything about this. If you can do that and you're able to pick a solid company, it almost doesn't even matter what role you step into on day one. It especially doesn't matter what your base salary is, what your initial income is, all of that stuff. And this is the thing, especially for people that are not just straight out of college or, you know, a few years into their career um, that they have trouble with is, hey, I thought 
tech sales or SaaS sales, I thought they made tons of money. Like I actually made money, more money at my last job than I will in my first year here. And I'm not willing to do that. Sometimes we got to take uh, one step back to go two steps forward, right? And in this case, it may be one step back to go 20 steps forward. Yeah. And the cream always rises to the top. So if you are good and you have the right attitude and you're willing to learn and you go to a solid company and you have a support system around you, it's only a matter of time before you reach that next level. Um, and maybe you leverage that to, uh, to go any which way uh, in your career. Um, but this is the number one mistake people make is they get in their own way and they put a bunch of barriers up and they forget how hard this is to make this transition. It is hard before and, and not just Aspireship. There's been other companies and other industries doing other things to help people solve some of these problems. But certainly before we started this and the reason I was so passionate about starting it is that there has a path hasn't existed. It's like a bolt of lightning. If you <laughs> network your way into something, somebody takes a chance on you, it's serendipitous, right? And, and you know this, Greg, because you lived it yourself, right? And so yep. um, this hasn't existed before. So we're trying to systematically make this possible. And sometimes people forget just how difficult this has been historically and how difficult it is to pull off. And so if you're, if you're saying, this is important to me, I care about this, this is the investment I wanna make in myself, then go and do it. And don't get to the finish line and then go, oh geez, I can only accept something if my base is 20K more than what you're offering me. I get it. If you have kids, you got a house, you're a sole provider, like there are certain non-negotiables. It's just, I cannot make my life work if I don't do this, right? Everybody understands that. However, figure out what that actually is, not what you need to have or want to have, um, and then go make that happen. And if it's not worth it to you to actually do that, perfectly fine. It is perfectly fine. Nobody thinks you're stupid or a bad person or whatever because you, for your life, need things to be a certain way. But essentially what that means is that you're prioritizing that other stuff above making this happen. And you need to get right with your priorities, know what you want. And uh, if you do and you're willing to do the work, then sky's the limit. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you're going to make a career change, you have to be willing to take one step back. Maybe you have, you know, that salary component gets in the way. But I think if you're willing to jump in at a good company, be an SDR, you have the work ethic, you'll get promoted. You'll very quickly get back up to that point where you need to be. And then 20 X that two or three years down the road when you're hitting your quote on a regular basis. And so, it could be anything, right? It, it could be that you're actually stepping into an AE role, or even if you're not, um, it's not just that your earnings are gonna exponentially grow you know, in that role, you may find that you're actually a great fit for something else, like within the organization or within a different organization, but a whole new world just opened up to you, yeah. um, you know, as opposed to um, you know, doing whatever it was you were doing before. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I want to wrap things up with a couple of takeaways that I've that I've taken away, Corey, from our time together. Um, first one is motivation. Um, 
I think if you don't have motivation and intrinsic motivation, right? It can't be someone pushing. It has to be a pull from within if you're going to be successful in software sales. I think that is the number one thing that um, I think everybody has to have. So I, I love that we talked about motivation. Um, number two, know what you want and why you want it. Um, you know, if, if you're going to go into a company, know why you're going into that company, why you're going into that role, why you want to get into software sales um, and, and have that clear vision for what you want your life to be and why you're making these these intentional decisions. So I think that's something that a lot of people forget about. They get attracted to maybe the, the coolness of software sales and they're not really thinking about why they want to go in that world. So I love that we talked about that. And then finally, um, patience <laughs> play the long game I, I struggle with patience it's not something i'm very good at but a uh, good reminder here that this uh if you're gonna make a career change if you're gonna pursue something like investing your time in taking the aspireship program right you got to think long term why you're doing this I and mean, it also goes back to what's your why what's your motivation that's going to carry you through that kind of transitionary period as you go off on this new venture. And that could take a while, that could take a couple months, could take a couple years, but the outcome, if you're willing to persevere through that and be patient with the process, um, will definitely pay off. So really good in takeaways, really appreciate the information, Corey. And then um, if anybody wants to learn more about Aspireship or get in touch with you, what's the best way to, to learn more about Aspireship? Go to Aspireship.com. Easy enough. All right. Well, we appreciate your time today, Corey, and um, keep doing a great job. Love that you guys are trying to get more software sales reps ready to be successful in the world. We appreciate your time, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Bye.